We the mafia. 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 All righty, Bills Mafia, what is cooking? Welcome to the Mafia Cast. I am your host, Papa Ron, joined by my good friend and fellow host, Casey. We do have a special guest today with us, Aaron Quinn from Cover One. What is going on, Karen? What's happening, guys? Appreciate the invite and, and making some time for me to come on. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah anytime to bring on some fellow content folks and talk Bills, it's, it's a good evening. For sure. So we're going to... Okay, first of all, I'm going to get into this because um, we had a little bit of a spirited debate last week uh, between Casey and myself um, regarding the offensive line versus wide receivers. And I've seen a lot of stuff from Cover One and, uh, of course, from other people as well. But I was just kind of curious, Aaron, what is your stance, first of all, on what what's the priority for the Bills this offseason uh, as far as, you know, the positional breakdowns? From <laughs> – I think there's a lot of ways you can look at this roster right now and look back at the season where failures occurred uh, for the bills. And I think that there's probably fair arguments for wide receiver uh, getting more weapons, whether or not that's a traditional wide receiver too. Um, I think that's probably the thing that's most interesting right now to me, this bills off season is this conversation around wide receiver two and how people think about that position. Um, I think that there's a little bit of outdated ideas that it has to be the guy that lines up on the boundary has to be your second productive uh, wide receiver. I'm for more weapons, but for me, the the biggest priority that I can see when looking at this team and looking back at this season is uh, it's pin, it's a pin tweet right to my feed is protect Josh Allen is my number one priority. I believe that he is the most single, most valuable asset in all of Western New York. And I want him, I don't want to take away his running and the scrambling and the ability to extend plays, but I want him to do that when he wants to, when it's comfortable for him, when it, not that he needs to do it all the time. So protecting Josh Allen, finally getting the interior offensive line position, right. They've patched it together for years with John Feliciano yeah. and then bringing in Saffold and, you know, I, I Ryan Bates is okay, but it, it just has been a revolving door of probably below average players. And especially in that interior. So that's really where my focus is right now heading into the off season is how do they with the limited resources that they're going to have do the most that they can to project jo protect Josh Allen. So he's not taking the unnecessary hits and, and only fleeing the pocket and extending plays when he wants to or can. Yeah. Casey, well, you got it. Yeah. What about you guys? Where are you guys at? Go ahead, Paparazzi. <laughs> I'm in line with that. Um, we, we, the tweet came out. I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it basically the PFF grades of the top of the offensive line rankings for the top 10 offenses in the game last year. Um, and even though Buffalo, obviously, we know number two in the league offensively, they're their line came in at a 58 and some change PFF grade and say what you want about PFF. But, you know, when it comes to offensive linemen, it's kind of all we really have. <laughs> um, and they were bottom. They were dead last amongst those 10 and, at 50, like I said, 58. And from what I understand, around 60-ish is kind of considered average. So, and I, you know, I grew up back in the 90s with in the 80s and 90s with that Bills offensive line back then. I saw the, the offensive line the Cowboys had back then as well. Uh, you look at the offensive line for the two teams in the Super Bowl this year. That's where it's at. You've got to hit, fix that line. Um, and if if they can give Allen time, I believe he can dissect any defense with the current existing core of weapons he has right now. Yeah. 
I agree with both you guys. I mean, offensive line is 100% like that's necessary, number one this offseason. But my whole thing is with this wide receiver room, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir, and uh, Stefan Diggs, like I like that's a good core. Mm-hmm. But who's coming in for Stefan and Gabe when they need a break? And Jake Kumro isn't necessarily that player that I'm really looking for to come in to fill that role. I mean, I know he's made some plays here and there, but he's a special teams player, and he he doesn't he the Packers cut him for a reason as much as Aaron Rodgers wanted to keep him. So I'm looking for somebody to come in and actually fill the role and be considered a real threat when they when they step on the field. When unlike Kumro, when he's on there, they're usually looking at him just to be a blocker. So I agree that offensive line is absolutely number one, but I would still love to see another actual weapon in the in the room. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I think they're going to have to, right? Um, McKenzie's probably on the out, if I had to guess, right? He's got a, I think it's a $300,000 dead cap hit, but you save $2 million. Those are the kind of decisions the Bills are definitely going to be forced to make this year. And I think that you can find some of the, lower end wide receiver production where where i'm at with that wide receiver room is and i said this as soon as the bills got bounced uh from the playoffs here and a lot of people wanted to go and then take a look at the remaining four teams and there was a lot of conversation that there was a huge separation between those remaining four teams and the bills in terms of weapons and i don't totally agree i i think usage is a problem um there's a bit of a ken dorsey problem baked into uh, i had higher expectations for dawson knox this year i had higher expectations for gabe davis I think that they both didn't meet those expectations for different reasons. Some of it was Gabe Davis's own play, right? The drops are inexcusable, even though I tweeted it out today that I don't believe that there is um, drops are as significant as people want to talk about it. I think a lot of times it will be a one season thing. And then a guy will get back to where he was supposed to be. So, but he does need to catch the ball in big spots and catch some of those contested balls and have and improve on that. But he was still a pretty productive receiver when you put him up against a lot of the other guys that I think Bill's Mafia would take. I saw a lot of people talking about the addition to the Kansas City Chiefs of Valdez Scantling. Well, like Gabe Davis had a much better season than Valdez Scantling did, right? And so we have to kind of maybe step back, look at where our own expectations for these players were. And it's okay that they don't hit our own expectations, but let's find out why, right? And I think when you look at why, you'll see the way Gabe Davis was used probably leads to less efficiency at the wide receiver position, right? He lead, he was leading the league and average depth of target. Yeah. You're down the field. You're going to go the less efficient that pass game is going to be a little bit with Dawson Knox. And you heard him talk about this at some point, like halfway through the season, he even was a little bit upset with how he was being used. I think they were kind of keeping him in more as a blocker again, to help with this poor offensive line and not getting him out into space, not being that secondary weapon, being the maybe like fourth, read in a play Josh Allen's not often getting to that fourth read and when he does it's a broken down play and it's not necessarily within the progression of the play so I would like to see I like the weapons that they have I think that you can go out and win a lot of football games and can be competitive in the playoffs with that core of the weapons they have but I do think you're gonna have to do some stuff beyond those three I think you're gonna bank on the development of a Khalil Shakir which towards the end of the year we saw some good stuff from him right he's still young there's gonna be some development there but I do think you're going to have to in bring in some investments in terms of younger guys at that wide receiver position. But I don't necessarily think it's 
early draft picks that have to come in and be wide receiver too. It's guys that are going to come in and fill those depth pieces being your new Isaiah McKenzie, right. But putting it on a rookie deal and getting some, some guys of speed and separation to maybe uh, boost up that slot position a little bit. But I don't think that it has to be on the high end of that. Cause I do trust in these weapons. And I think if you, again, back to the offensive line, you give Josh Allen more time, maybe get some more quick rhythm passing game going. I think that isn't a weapon in itself, right? Uh, protecting Josh and allowing him to find his receivers adds to their production and what they could do. Right. Let me go back to really quick to the Dawson Knox comment. Mm-hmm. Do you think that his being used more as a blocker is more about the offensive line or more about Ken Dorsey's scheme? Uh, a little bit of both. And uh, both Knox and Gabe are good blockers right like you want that to be part of their game i don't want to take that totally away um i just think early in the year they he was that fourth option in the passing game that third option in the passing game where they were fine with him staying into chip and then getting out versus getting him involved in the routes finding ways to get him the ball uh he's not a travis kelsey so i don't want anyone to hear what i'm about to say and be like well you're an idiot he's not a hall of famer but if you look at how Kansas City gets him involved in the game. Every defensive coordinator that goes up against the Kansas City Chiefs for the last three years has spent all week long figuring out how do they stop Travis Kelsey. But every time they go out and play, Andy Reid finds ways to manufacture this guy touches and get him the ball. I don't need uh, Dawson Knox to necessarily be a focal point of your offense, but steal some of that stuff that other teams are doing that they are manufacturing touches for guys, even though teams are trying to take that person away. No one is out there trying to eliminate Dawson Knox, right? It's all it's right. Stephon Diggs. They're bracketing coverage, Stephon Diggs. They're taking that away. And some teams are successful in that. And when they are, you need to have another playmaker on your team that you can find and manufacture touches for. And the guy that screams it to me right now on this team without adding any additional weapons, to me it screams, hey, Dawson Knox is a real athletic guy who's been a reliable pass catcher, especially in the red zone. And he has uh, done a good job getting separation for your team for the last three years. And he's probably one of your better yards after catch players for the last few years. You need to increase his production, especially with what you just paid him last year. You're paying him to be a top tight end. Now you got to get him involved so that he can produce as one. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You mentioned this. You made that comparison with Kelsey. I tweeted out, this was during the season. I don't remember, but I said something about, Dawson Knox could be what Kelsey is to the Chiefs, and I got blown up. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's not Kelsey. I didn't say he was Kelsey. I said he could be used in the same way, and they just right. don't. Um, and it's yeah, it's super frustrating. Um, Want to? So we're gonna kind of get into some of the the the, the free agency because that's of course what's coming up next mm-hmm. uh, in the you know the calendar year. But before we do that, um, Case and I wanted to start getting into. You know, Mel Kuyper comes out with these mock drafts, and he comes out like mock draft 1.0 all the way through like 23 or whatever, <laughs> right? right? And a lot of times there's players on there, especially when you're picking where Buffalo is, that people don't really know or recognize those names. So we kind of wanted to make a, a piece of our show where we talk about uh, some of those. So uh, the first one that uh, he he mentions, and this is the one that uh, – he actually thinks that Buffalo would pick at least in his first mock. And I completely don't agree with it, but it's Derek Hall. Um, yeah. Outside linebacker from Auburn. I think he's more of an edge than, than anything. Uh, but what do you guys think about him as far as, uh, you know, potentially in our first pick and, and is it a need really at right now? Um, 
I think Twitter would not Twitter would melt. I think if the Bills oh, yeah. <laughs> went edge again with the, the amount of investment that you've put into that position over the last whatever few years with AJ Vanessa, Boogie Basham, those guys not panning out means you have to overpay Von Miller to come in. And now Von Miller's hurt. I think that's maybe the one area. There's a couple spots on this team that I just don't know uh, about heading into next season. One of them is, uh, with the tragic events at DeMar Hamlin, like wh- where's he at? I don't even know if he's even thinking about playing or what that is. And then there's yeah. some questions about uh, that safety position next to Micah Hyde, whether wherever that goes. Then the other one is when does Von Miller return and what does he look like when he returns? And what do you do in the meantime? Right. Like you, you've you got some investment into this position, like I said, with some young guys, maybe you bring back a Shaq Lawson. But we know that it wasn't good enough when Von Miller went out. I love Greg Rousseau. I think that he's a very good defensive end. I don't think people are talking about how good of a season he actually had this last year, but he's not your bendy guy. That's going to get around the edge and get sacks like a Von Miller and either is hall. Right. And that's, that would be my worry of going there early with the pick like this is if you are going to do that and you can talk me into it with Von aging out and needing that other guy to play beside Greg Rousseau. And you haven't hit on those guys in your team yet. But if you're going to do it, it better be one of those super athletic, going to get the bend, be an explosive pass rusher that can kind of play off Greg Rousseau. Because I think Greg can set the edge. He can get good uh, rush. He's a really good run defender. I think he can do all those things. But I think he needs to pair with that Ferrari type edge rusher. And this pick just wouldn't be that. To me, this would be just kind of another Greg Rousseau without the the length and the size and the traits. And so for that reason, I would be totally out, especially – I don't know who's going to be there, but I, the way that I've seen boards fall, I think there's other needs where the best player available would probably still be within striking distance. You have a conversation of, a, of something that's probably more of a need right now, but there is, there is a little bit of a hole at that other edge position until Vaughn comes back. And again, we don't know what he's going to look like when he returns. Yeah. What do you think, Casey? What, would you be you one know. of those that would nail down? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would, but. I mean, not as bad as most people probably, but Bill's Mafia would explode. That would be that would be a very scary sight. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't like Aaron said. There's too many other needs at this time, like to go there to go to be thinking that far ahead in the future. Uh, I mean, AJ Apinesa. I mean, he had. I've said on a previous show, he had the quietest six and a half sacks. Um, in the whole, like on the team. I mean, he, he played well. He didn't get that many opportunities um, with Russo and Von Miller being in there. And we saw when Von uh, came out, he stepped up big time. I know Boogie got a lot of the starts, but AJ was in there in a lot of the crucial situations. He got a lot of pressures throughout the year. But yeah. at, at offensive line and the question at safety is just too big of uh, open positions to go to somewhere looking at the future. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you guys brought up the safety situation. I, I did an article today for Buffalo Blowdown, um, and I, I brought up that very thing. So the three positions that I mentioned there was offensive line, defensive line, and the safety because, yeah, you, we don't know what's going to happen with the safety position. Poyer's likely not coming back. We don't know what's going to happen with, with Hamlin. He may or may not play again. And even if he does play after an event or uh, uh, that type of an experience, who's to say he's going to be the same player anymore? Um. And then you got Jaquan Johnson, who was, as far as I'm concerned, was quite disappointing. I had way higher expectations for him and thought he would play better than he did, but uh, that didn't pan pan out. And then you got Dean Marlowe, free agent. Um, 
There was one other that's a free agent too. Kim Lewis. Kim Lewis is a restricted free agent, right? Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I believe so. It wasn't him. But at any rate, we have basically like three or four safeties on the currently on the roster, and Hyde's the only proven commodity there, and mm-hmm. that we know is coming back for sure. And even after that, and he's on a contract here next next season, mm-hmm. too. So. Well, they're going to have to plan for that. I Yeah, I agree. I don't really like to pick. His measurables are pretty good. I had it up just a second ago. It's uh, 6'3", 241 pounds, wingspan of 83 inches, which is actually the same as Tremaine Edmonds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a little surprising to see that. He's a big kid. But that's uh, what it sure. feels like. It feels like you're grooting again, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. A guy that's, it doesn't have that bend. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that's a good way to – build a pass rushes to have two similar guys like that. Maybe, uh, and maybe that's what the bills are looking for, but I don't know, man, I'd be pretty frustrated, especially like <laughs> I said, with the, I, th- I think there's a really good draft for offensive line. And so I, yeah, I think you'll have is. some guys falling in there. I'm starting yeah. to twitch. Just thinking about picking a defensive <laughs> lineman in the first round. I, I swear to God. Well, so we'll move on from that. So you don't start twitching. Cause there are the next two guys that Kuiper mentions. Both are offensive linemen. One's not a tackle, the other's a guard. But the one that's a tackle who I personally love, I don't think he's a first-rounder. So as I oh, actually even Derek Hall, most of the mocks that I've seen have him falling into the second round. So I'm not sure what the thought is there. But um, Cody Mock, offensive tackle out of North Dakota State. If you guys watched the, the senior bowl, he played all five positions in that game. That's insane. Like, And he played them well, mm-hmm. uh, too. And I believe looking at his – uh, some of his scouting reports today. I think he only gave up two sacks in his career. Now, granted, we, it's North Dakota State, so the sure. competition isn't, you know, oh, hey, Josh what it is. Yeah. Right, yeah. But, um, he, you know, missing front teeth, looks like a hockey player, got the long flowing hair. I mean, Had the gut out at brings, Senior Bowl. Yeah. And oh, if he, he has he his gut attitude. out, I want him on the team. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he brings a lot of attitude. Uh, that's another one, though, that I think uh, could probably drop into the second round. Uh, but what do you guys think about uh, Cody Mock? <clears throat> what, what I will say this time of year, one of my biggest frustrations with mock draft season is, dude, anytime I put a mock out or any type of thing, I get somebody that comes to my mentions is like, no way so-and-so player is going to be there. This person's around two or this person, that's the wrong round for this guy. One, all the big boards are wrong. Um, outside of like those top 10 picks, it yeah. pretty much all goes downhill from there every single year. Uh, no matter where you do your mocks, I like all the sites. I respect all the guys that work the sites. All those big boards are wrong too on all the mocks. They yeah. don't know what teams are thinking. And Mel Kuyper, I, I think I, I respect them. I think he does a good job. But some of these guys, you just don't know that where their board is versus where team's board is right and a team's board can be many different ways it's not all set up the same across the league and so this is a player i could see being in a round one for a a team and also we got to really be realistic where the bills are at At 27 you're really on the cusp of that second round this was sort of an argument i'm not in this argument this year because again i think there's too many holes on this team uh, but we had a lot of arguments over the past couple of years of round one running backs, right? And there's a huge difference of picking a running back 12 versus picking a running back in the late 20s and in the 30s, right? You're really on the cusp of that uh, second round anyway. And because the Bills are going to be on the cusp of that late second round, there's a couple of these dudes, and Cody's one of them, where if you don't maybe go in and take them, if, you're, if your grade's real close, if you had like an early round one or early round two grade on them, 
think you're good enough to take him late round one, right? I, I don't think you can get too stuck on that if it's a position of need yeah. and he checks all the boxes for you. You take a guy like that. Um, so that just in terms of grade, but I already said on the show, like, it, um, I, I'm high on him right now. There's a couple other interior offensive linemen that I think that may be in that late round one that I would also be interested in. Um, Michael Schmitz would be one where he has that yes. position flexibility where – uh, they, I think a lot of people also have a great, great two on him, but it's like right in that spot again, where if the bills don't do it round one, they might have to trade up or you might miss out on them later. Uh, but some of those guys, maybe that have some more positional flexibility with Schmitz would be great because you could put him at guard and let Mitch Morris ride out the remainder of his contract for the next two years. And then you could switch him to center, right? Like, and then you have some of that flexibility. Um, Mach would be a, a good one too. I, I think anything that's an improvement over Roger Saffold, I'm, I'm all about, let's go and sign me up. Uh, Which I, might be just about any one of us. Huh? Honestly, yeah. like, well, I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> I am at that point though, where, I, th- I think you need to make a serious investment to the interior yeah. of this offensive line. And so I, I would be totally fine with that move. Yeah. Casey, before I get to you, uh, we have one of our listeners, uh, Steve. Uh, he does ask a question about free agent wide receivers. And just to let you know, Steve, we will get to that. Uh, that is actually part of our uh, agenda down the road. So uh, don't leave us. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, Casey, what do you think about Cody? I. If he, like I said, if he's got his gut out, I want him on the team. You know, I, I, he definitely the personality definitely fits with Buffalo for sure. I mean, without two front teeth, I bet you can still down a couple dozen wings. Um, but we yeah, need like a mauler. We need yeah. a mauler on this line. I mean, we have I mean Spencer Brown. He's a he's a mean looking dude, but is he really like is he really the mauler on the line? I mean, to me personally, I'd say Deion Dawkins is. I mean, he's kind of like a grizzly bear. Dawkins is all cute and cuddly in front of the camera until he gets on the field. You know, then he's one mean mofo. Um, But even still, like, he's still not like that, that like big of a dog. You know, I, we need somebody who's like, they're ready to rip was. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the one niche on him. Like keeping him around was he had that flair to him, you know? Yeah. And we kind of, we kind of need that again. So I'd be, I'd be all for it. Cody comes in at six foot six, so he's a big guy. Ooh, uh, that's tall. Yeah, a little over three hundred pounds. Um, he, he can play tackle, but they you know projects more as an inside guy. But yeah, it is pretty tall for guard. Mm-hmm. So I'm not it's sure. Kind of, there, people have some concern about his arm length, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't care about. Yeah, that. there was that. You can either play or you can't. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's how I look at exactly. it. Like, uh, who was that kid last year? Uh, Tyler Linderbaum. There was a lot of concerns oh, about his size and whatnot, and he's just he's played extremely well for. I knew that. Uh, there's some things like that are tough to overcome. Uh, I think historically in football, but if the tape is telling you a kid can play, you got to put some of that stuff aside and and realize yeah. don't miss out on a player because of some like boxed in idea that you have that uh, of the size and stuff. Because there's plenty of guys that sized out right and just ain't good players, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, So the next, go ahead. uh, I was listening to a podcast. um, Actually, it was last year before uh, the previous draft. And they were talking about corners and how they went back through and the last, I think it was something wild, like the last 10 years, um, all the all all pro corners had over 31 and a half inch length Mm -hmm. arms. It's for sure a thing on cornerback. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was just like it was just wild to me. And but it was something like he he was out on Kyrie Elam, and it was because he was like, well, if that if he doesn't have those arms, then I don't see him like getting good enough to become an All Pro. So why take him? And I was like, I, it oh, couldn't have been was, Elam. There was a lot of people that were out on. It was like McDuffie, uh, Trent McDuffie, and then. Um, Roger McCreary. McCreary were the guys that had they were like 28 inch arms or something but th- yeah. those were ones though that you did see there, there's some ability to play on tape and so that was a conversation last year right and so it'll be interesting to see how those careers go because it, it really does seem to be a trend in quarterback play that like you're not going to get a top level guy which again if you're pick, that's fine if you're picking if it's a Dane Jackson type pick in the 6th round and you're just hoping yeah. to get a produ- some type of production out of that pick but if you're picking here in this 27 man it, that's hard to say well we believe in this guy but there isn't a single this would be a complete outlier in the NFL because there's not a single example of a dude with 28 inch arms that it pr- produces to the type of pick that you want at 27 so those are some of the conversations they're having for sure when it comes to to measurements and stuff but there's a couple of players uh right now uh lots of arguments that i'm having are over tank dell uh the wide receiver out of houston little guy five eight his legs are probably as skinny as my forearms um but i just see a kid that can play and i'm like i don't know like i I really don't care about the measure rules because i just i'm watching this kid do all the things you say you can't do yeah yeah i'm I'm with you. I'm big on the eye test. The eye yeah. test tells me a lot more than any numbers can tell me. Yeah. Yeah. The, so the next player, and this is the one that, um, as, as far as grades go, he's, he's definitely more of a first round guy, but Osiris mm-hmm. Torrance. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some, you know, reading up on him and uh, four year starter has never given up a sack over mm-hmm. 3000 snaps in collegiate football, college football. Not a single set, uh, sack given up. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is one that I'd be all for. Um, I, it's I, I am not uh, – Darnell Wright would be another one. I think he's a tackle as well. That uh, And I've had this argument with a few people where they don't love the idea of spending money or spending that type of asset on a tackle when you have Spencer Brown. But, man, Spencer Brown's not stopping me from doing anything. I haven't seen – I like his size. I've seen highlight high variance flash play from him, but he hasn't done anything to not challenge him for his job. Right. And I I think that would be a great problem to have where you get a top end rookie to come in, solidify that job. And then you still have a talented developmental player behind him, which is where I thought Spencer Brown would be the whole time. Greg and I did a show right after that draft and we were really excited about the traits of Spencer Brown. But our thing was like, Hey man, don't expect to see this kid for two to three years. But then he was thrust into a starting position mm-hmm. right away. Obviously, Brandon Bean spoke highly of him here this year and said, you know, kind of added some context to why there was a little bit of struggle with the back surgery, not getting a full camp, all that stuff, and that he started to come along later. But excuses, yeah, save them. I don't <laughs> want them, right? This is a Super Bowl window. I want to protect Josh Allen. So if you have an opportunity to get a guy like that that I can would consider a, a stud type player with coming from a big school, having good success and in a highly competitive conference. I think that you got to take a look at that. So out of these three, I think that's the one that would probably be the easiest to run up and feel comfortable with as a round one yeah. guy. Agreed. Casey, everything Aaron just said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's, he seems to be the pick in all the mock drafts that I've been doing the last couple of days. I mean, he's, he's there at 27. I mean, it's him, um, Roger Jones out of Georgia, Ryan, we talked about him a little earlier. I mean, I, I love both those guys. If either, if either of them are there, then 
Bills just take whoever's higher on your board at that point. You know, take take who take who you want. But I those are my two guys that I'm eyeing at 27. I'm not looking at you know Bijan Robinson and all those guys. I know I I would love to have Bijan on my team too. I mean, he's basically a top five player in this draft, but it, the price is too high, and I I don't just I don't see it spending another early pick on a running back. Yeah, I don't. And now, I don't are think, people project, projecting? Yeah. So, I'm still early in my um, draft, sort of. I'm actually in free agency mode. I really don't fully go into draft until we kind of figure out where the holes are. I know we play tackle. Are people projecting him interior? Yeah, um, offensive line. In yeah, Torrance. Yeah. yeah, he's projected interior. Yeah, perfect. Sign me up. Even better. So, if we get, say, we get Osiris Torrance, um, would you guys want him? I think he plays both guards, but would you guys want him to play? Would you want Ryan Bates to move back to left guard where he played two years ago when we saw Devin Singletary explode at the end of the year and we saw the Bills offense really start to take off and protect Josh Allen and then move him into the right guard? Or would you want Bates just to stay at right and have him come in and play left? I don't have strong preference on, on this. Um, it would be, that would be whatever the conversation is in the offensive line room, but you I don't mess with it. Start it in camp, figure it out yeah. and go with it for like, yeah. if you're going to move Bates back, don't, don't tinker around with it, get a guy in and make it there. Um, but I, I don't care either way. It, it, you just got to solidify those spots. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, you brought up uh, Broderick Jones. Uh, his name has come up a lot around the 27th in some of the mocks that I've seen. It I, And I'm with you, Aaron. Like all these mock drafts this early in the season, it's it's kind of crazy <laughs> uh, given that we got free agency first, which is going to completely change the draft. Um, but people like to talk about it, so we're going to talk about it. For sure. Uh, but Broderick Jones, if both of these guys are there, where are you going, Casey? Which one? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> I personally, I I would take Broderick Jones. What about, do you yeah. have a, a, a preference, Aaron? I don't have a preference yet. Um, like I said, I'm still in the early stages of scouting guys, yeah. uh, and I've not even I've not really dove into the offensive line. I'm right now. I'm trying to figure out how they can fill those holes. Uh, before heading into the draft, so it's not draft for need and just get offensive line guys. But I've heard good things about both prospects. I know Eric Turner uh, at Cover One likes a lot of these guys too. Um, so I, I'm not going to get mad right now, uh, not knowing mm-hmm. the prospects either way, but um, not a strong preference either way. Right, right. Well, you know, so with that, let's go ahead and move and transition into the to the free agency stuff. As far as the cap situation the Buffalo's in, I would they what was it, twenty three million over currently? Yeah. Yeah, Roughly. I can't remember the, right the exact there. number. But um oh one of the you know, Greg from the cover one, one of your your guys, he tweeted out earlier about the uh you know, some of the restructures and some mm-hmm. of the names he listed, Josh Allen, Miller, Dawkins, Trey White. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys could restructure this year and free up over 44 million. And you can even go as far as restructuring Diggs and Milano and get upwards of 56 million. Um, I don't know what the likelihood is uh, of all of those guys restructuring. Like, I don't, 
you know, how those conversations go. I, you know, I don't know. Yep. Are, are players pretty much like open to it hundred percent of the time almost like they still get paid. Yeah. There's no, it's moved around. There's no consequence to the player really. Um, you end up getting some of that back like early on, you get more up front, and then the, the player is still going to ultimately get their money and it helps the team. Um, so like, especially a player like Josh Allen or, Dawkins or Trey White, like they, they're going to be all for these restructures because they're going to get that money and bonuses and whatever it is. And then the money's still going to be the same for them. And it's going to allow the team to do stuff. That's why they put agents put this stuff in there. So the number looks very inflated when they, when Adam Schefter tweets it out and they get that first contract. And it's like, oh, look at these numbers spread out throughout the years. And then teams can go back in and manipulate it and toss some cash to guys and stuff like that. That's why everybody says the cap's a myth, right? Because you can do all these types of things to it. But like yeah. Greg said, a couple of these coupons or whatever it is, these restructures, you've already done it with Diggs and Milano. So going back and doing that again, what it does, it's fine when it's Diggs is going to get tough because he's going to start getting around an age where wide receiver production starts to fall off here soon. With younger guys, it's okay to restructure because you're going to keep these guys on your team. The only time that restructures really are a pain in your ass because you're kicking money down the road. You're kicking that responsibility yeah. down the road a little bit, and you're going to guarantee yourself locked into those later years of the deal. And that's a problem on aging dudes like Avon Miller where you don't know where the rest of this career is going to go, right? Um, but with your younger core pieces, it's no-brainers. It's absolutely going to happen. But Vaughn's going to get restructured too. You just have to. That's part of how that deal is going to work. Um, but I, no one internally, I think there's a lot of um, myth on Twitter that people are like, well, why would they restructure their contract? They were getting paid so heavily. Like, they're still getting that money. That's not yeah. at, at all how it works. Nobody's <laughs> taking money off their Yeah, they're, they're not taking a pay cut. They're just no. moving it around. Yeah. Correct. Uh, I, I think it's funny every year. Um, I was kind of following the, the Rams a little bit last year because I was writing for fan sided with for the Rams, but and there was all this talk about their salary cap, a lot of talk about the Saints salary cap. And all the time these teams just get under the cap and they they I mean the Rams brought in Allen Robinson and I even did an article last year about predicting that. I had no idea it was gonna happen. It's just like let me just throw this out there because why not? They need a wide receiver. And again, Twitter world blew up in my face like, oh, you're an idiot. They don't have the money to do that. I was like, but GMs are paid to move money and they're paid to, to manage these things and make these things happen. And like with uh, with Brandon uh, Bean in the press conference a couple weeks ago, said, don't expect any Von Miller type signings because we just don't have the room. But he said that last year and then Von Miller happened. Sure. So they can make these things happen and, and, and get guys on this on the team if they need to. Um let me just jump into Steve's question uh, as far as the wide receivers. Do you guys think there are any free agent wide receivers or other wide receivers that you guys think should make any kind of, the Bills should make any kind of play for it all trade? Uh, we'll get into the trade talk conversation regarding DeAndre Hopkins here in a little bit, but first I want to go into the wide receivers. Um, now, SpotTrack does provide uh, like the market value. That's mm -hmm. not always very accurate, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But right. um, some of the names I kind of pulled out of the list: AJ Chark, Marvin Jones, Jacoby Myers, Smith Schuster, Nicole Hardman. I know Casey, you brought up Hardman last week. We were kind of yeah. talking about this a little bit, and my initial thought was no thanks, um, because he he played alongside Hill last year, well, his whole career up until this past this current season, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
And I just didn't feel like the production was really there for a guy who's playing alongside Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes thrown to him. But then I started kind of thinking about it. Like he does bring a lot of speed to this offense that we don't really have uh, outside of maybe McKenzie. So what do you think, Aaron, as far as like with Hardman, for example, and his, they have his market value set at 11 million, which seems kind of high to me, but what do you think? Yeah. Well, one thing I will say, I, we use spot track often. Um, those market values, it's weird to me how they, so like, um, I heard the, I forget his name, the guy that from, I think it's Mike from spot track was on, uh, yeah, it was on the radio the other day talking about how their projected value of Tremaine Edmonds was like around 11 million a year or whatever, which isn't, that is not what he's going to (laughs) get. Like that is, no, he's going to be like We wish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And what he said was like, well, that's where like, I believe his value is. And so that I, they got to come out and be a little bit more transparent. Spot track does on determining is the value, your perceived value of what you think you should get, or what is the market going to dictate for these guys? Because they're very wrong all the time. Levi Wallace's contract value was way off last year. With what he actually yeah. ended up getting. And most guys are. So I, uh, I would encourage your listeners not to pay too much attention to that market value. Cause it seems like he's got an algorithm that, based on their current production and what other linebackers get. Yeah. And that is just not how contracts work, right? Like Tremaine Edmonds is going to get paid, not for what he's done, but because how young he is and where he's ascending their Brandon Bean or whoever is going to have to pay him for what they think he's going to do over that span of that contract. And so that's why the contracts will be changed. But to Hardman, um, he's on my list. Uh, we're right now, Greg and I are working through our free agent wish lists uh, at every position. And he's one of the guys that's on my list. Greg had him at three years, 21.5 million was the deal that he would be getting. And it would probably be backloaded. It would be early, not a lot up front. And then you backloaded a little bit for him. And I think the age works well with that. So uh, he's not the top target on my list out of free agents right now. I think Paris Campbell is my top target free agent uh, for the bills. I know he's got some injury concerns. um, And I think people are concerned about the lack of production. If you just go look him up, but then you have to understand the context, right? Like playing in Indy has not been a quarterback haven or an offensive uh, juggernaut over the past few years. And um, in the scouting process a couple years ago, I forget now what it must've been three years ago. I fell absolutely in love head over heels with Terry McLaurin. I couldn't take my eyes off of him. I wanted him so bad. Everybody's like, this is just a special teams guy. He's not that good. And everyone was high on Paris Campbell. They're like, Paris Campbell's the the receiver out of Ohio State who's got the speed, who's got the explosion. He's going to be the guy. And I liked Paris Campbell, and he showed up, and he flashed, and they both made Dwayne Haskins look like an NFL quarterback. And Ohio State has a great track record. I don't like to scout helmets, but it's hard not to look at receivers from yeah. Ohio State and take them yeah. with a, a elevated uh, care for that. And so I think there's a lot of untapped potential with Campbell. And I think they because of him playing for the Colts for the last few years and some of those injuries concerns, I think it's the kind of scratch and dent bargain bin that Brandon Bean's going to be kind of shopping in where, hey, this thing's got a little bit of a ding to it. But if we can polish that up, man, and nobody's going to know and we can get a good receiver. And again, I am not in the market to replace Gabe Davis. I don't need a wide receiver too. I'm trying to bolster the room of weapons and get weapons that we can use as chess pieces. And I think he's one. Uh, DJ Shark is another one that's on my list that you had mentioned. Demarcus Robinson 
uh, is another one of these guys who also didn't catch on necessarily in KC, but flashed big playability, goes over to Baltimore. Baltimore is kind of a mess offensively too and <laughs> with QB. So I think these are both all, all kinds of guys that there's a lot of context wrapped into why they've underperformed. And I think that that's going to lead to you being able to get pretty good deals out there in free agency. It doesn't necessarily answer everybody's question on weapons, but it would be an improvement over Isaiah McKenzie being your wide receiver for right. And that those are the types of things I want to do is how do we improve the slim margins? Cause the NFL is a slim margins league. How do we improve those slim margins between us and the perceived top teams? Cause I don't, I don't think there's even a big gap, but if you can get better at wide receiver four or five, then that is how you jump those other teams. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Another uh, name I'd add to that list would be, for me, is Darius Slayton. Um, yeah. He's big in that bargain bargain bin where he's dealt with some injuries, some QB play. I mean, Daniel Jones hasn't necessarily been the most consistent wide receiver um, up until this year with Brian Dable. But, when, yeah, I mean, he, he – Darius Slayton, I mean, he showed some flashes this year making some spectacular catches down the field towards the end mm-hmm. of the year. Um, I think he could be somebody out there that I mean, Josh Allen could really uh, take advantage of, of a defense. I got one more. Greg hates it. He doesn't want me to talk about it <laughs> because he's a restricted free agent, and those are hard, right? Because then you have yeah. to you have to really play with what the other team's going to offer and how that's going to go. But they do move, and offers are made on restricted free agents all the time. Bates got an offer uh, a couple years ago, right, from Chicago. Yep. Like, so it does yep. happen. Teams make offers on these guys. Greg Dorch at a Cardinals. He was a guy that I was really high on in the draft. Again, this is sort of like a tank down real small, super explosive. The guy just makes plays. I think he could reset that Isaiah McKenzie better than Isaiah McKenzie. Really Isaiah McKenzie was like a straight line speed. I want that speed, but with some shiftiness, making guys miss. Um, I think that there's a role in the offense for that and adding speed and separation. So I'm, that, those are the guys that I'm kind of trying to find. And he would be another one like that. Yeah. I, I was intrigued by it with, with Dorch as well. Um, it sounds like, so let me ask you, uh, Aaron, as far as wide receivers go, are you in that camp where you've got to have this certain style of receiver, this one and this one to complement the whole wide receiver core? For example, you got to have a speed guy. you got to have a possession guy. you got to have your big physical guy. You, or do you really care as long as they're making plays at the end of the day? Yeah, and I, I just want guys that make plays. I do think the thing I'm looking for the most right now um, is separation ability to separate speed. Uh, I think Josh is still a little, especially if we're not fixing the offensive line in the way Ken Dorsey is calling this offense, it needs to be guys that get open. Josh sees you open and throws to you, right? Like he, this offense was not a timing offense where Josh was finding guys in rhythm and whether they're open or not, just throwing to a spot. He was only hitting guys that he saw that were wide open. That's why Stefan Diggs got the majority of the efficiency of this offense because he's always open. Right. Um, and so I do want, I want to find guys that possess that ability to create that separation so that Josh Allen can hit them. Um, and some guys that do, I think Gabe Davis, gets knocked for his ability to take the top off a of defense. And that's why you saw him get the large uh, average depth of target. And he was used as that vertical threat, but it would be nice if you had an additional vertical threat that could stretch that so that you could use Gabe Davis in some other ways and maybe increase his efficiency as well. I think he's a better player than the, the vibe on him is right now um, it is a little bit unfair to where he's at, but I, I, I am looking for speed separation. Um, but in terms of, I don't need a big body possession type or anything like that. I just want guys that can get open and make plays. 
Casey, what what about do you, do you have a preference or? I mean, I, I'm asking because there's guys like there's like guys like Juju Smith-Schuster out there who's a bigger physical guy who we just don't have one of outside of. I mean, you can consider Knox that guy, I suppose, but uh, outside of you know, as far as wide receivers go, we just don't have that. And I hear a lot of people like we need that big physical guy that can can challenge and go get those 50-50 balls. What, what do you think, Casey? I mean, that was supposed to be Gabe Davis, wasn't it? Wasn't that? I mean, that was. I mean, going into last year, I mean, that's what I kept hearing a lot was he was supposed to be the 50-50 ball, go up and get it guy. And He's only, because, I think, 6'2", right? But he put on like 15 pounds of muscle, and he was working on jugs machine, catching 100 passes a day, and everybody – I mean, we all had these high hopes for him. You know, I mean, and, not oh. that he, he super let us down, but, I mean, he didn't – it didn't meet the Bills Mafia ex- expectations. Right. You know, Um I, Did Josh really throw the 50 50 ball though? I think that's, no, that, that's, that's, where, I was, that's, that's where I was. That's about the to whole say, like, thing. Like, yeah. he, those aren't thrown. Like Aaron said, he only throws to you if you're open. Hello, Facebook user. There's no name, so I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> but hello. <laughs> like, uh, better late than never. Uh, yeah, to that point, most of the targets for, for Davis, he seemed like they were just down the field, fire the ball on a, on a go route or whatever. There wasn't a whole lot of physical or you know 50 50 ball mm-hmm. type uh, passes to him uh, so i do think that that's part of it um okay that's kind of what i thought what's up scott <laughs> scott's one of our regulars i thought that was probably him but and then uh we got another one here leave juju for us uh, uh, yeah juju's okay we kind of talked about the market value thing a while ago but he comes in at 14.6 again to that's me that seems kind of high too rich but yeah but, yeah I don't that's, think the, that's the case is too rich yeah, definitely not. Um, that's kind of – well, we'll stay with the wide receivers. So as far as the trade targets, um, there was one that uh, Casey actually texted me, I think, yesterday about and asking me if I would uh, do the, do a deal that involves Keenan Allen. But I just saw today that there's reports coming out now that Allen might actually be a cap casualty and get cut. Mm-hmm. Is that somebody that you would you would go after? Well, one, I think this time of year, you got to be a little careful with the information that gets put out there because that might just be to get teams calling that hey, right. he's going to be on the out. So let's uh, jump the gun and get in a trade before he's uh, out to the open market and deciding um, probably not a player at this point that I would trade much capital for because I think the Bills are in a position where they need it at, at some point Brandon Bean's going to have to get really aggressive in this Josh Allen window and he might have to swing a big trade and mortgage some of the future in the way that the LA Rams did which I'm totally cool with I'm not I people crap on the way the LA Rams got their ring I just want a single Dude, one I don't care just, get just give me one I don't yeah. care what we have to buy I am not who we have to buy yeah I'm not at mortgaging everything this. yet but there's a point where you have to get really yes. aggressive yeah. um, I'll say this in defense of the Rams uh, I am all for it as well like like you guys if they you know um, but I don't think even if what happened this year to them was necessarily a, an all-in type of season last year. No. I think they had a lot of injuries and everything that kind of yeah. caved in their season this year. Otherwise, I feel like they would have been right back in it still. Yeah, I think part oh, of the yeah, problem, yeah, yeah. yeah Staff- Stafford, if you if he's not healthy and he's rarely healthy, like they got lucky in that that yeah. one yeah. keeping him healthy through a whole season, that was probably bound to bite them in the ass. Uh, but yeah, they weren't going to win a lot of games without him. No, yeah. I mean, and they had, I mean, their whole offensive line basically had to be rebuilt last year, right. you know. So, 
Yeah, and Whitworth, yeah, Whitworth retiring. Like that's a lot to yeah. overcome. Uh, they'll probably yeah. end up being fine ultimately, but um, yeah. at some point there is a get aggressive and really go all in on this Super Bowl run. I don't know that Keenan Allen's that move. I like him as a receiver. Um, I would have to probably go back and watch a little bit of his season this year. I didn't watch a ton of Chargers football to see exactly where he's at um, in terms of bringing him in right now. But if he's in free agency, I, I think I'd be interested to see where his value is in free agency um, in terms of the market. See, I brought up trading for him last night, Ron, to not let him reach free agency. Mm-hmm. So the what I brought up was – Davis in the fifth for Keenan in a third. And Ronnie said no, and then he started leaning yes, and then he started leaning back no. Well, it just all depends on the on the picks because Davis is considerably younger, like close to a decade younger than, than Allen. So that's huge as far as for me. And if you're going to trade Davis away, it better come with some draft picks. It needs to come with some draft capital. I, and I'm I'm kind of with Aaron on as, as far as Davis goes, and I think ultimately you too, Casey. Like, I'm not out on him by any means. I do think he can still be a good number two for us. I just mm-hmm. think that the injury last year with the ankle slowed things down for him a lot. I think that there was, um, and I'm guilty of this. I don't think I put as much weight on the change in OC as maybe we should have, because I really thought oh he's in house. It's just a, it's going to be a smooth transition. He's not going to change much. Offense looked completely different, though. Um, and I don't know if that's a product of a poor offensive line as much as it is that it was. This is just who Dorsey is. He's just an ultra aggressive play caller. Um, and at the end of the day, he was essentially a rookie in the role. Mm-hmm. So you would hope that he would develop and grow just like a traditional player would as a rookie. So uh, we'll see w- how that goes. Uh, another name that's popped up a lot, uh, Jay Spence, the King is really big on this one is trading for Deandre Hopkins. Um, I think it was Greg that put out something as far as the, uh, the financial aspect of it, that it would more than work to get him in, in Buffalo because his contract isn't necessarily a bad one right now, because I think he's played out most of it. Right. But Casey, you're shaking your head, so I'll start with you. What do you think about bringing Hopkins over here on a trade? I mean, your first inkling on Allen is his age. Um, and you can do the same thing to DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins doesn't have the speed and athletic ability that he did when he first got to Arizona or that he had when he was in Houston. Um, I've heard jokes that, well, he for one, he only, only lines up on Kyler Murray's left side. He only plays the X receiver spot. And – the running joke that I've heard about him is he runs a root bush, not a root tree, because he doesn't have the speed <laughs> or the athleticism anymore to get the separation down the field. It's more about like the 10 to 12 yard range. And yeah, he'll catch that ball every time, but he's not, he's not going to be the burner, the 12, 12, 1400 yard, 16 touchdown player that he was, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I so- think, both are 30 years old, by the way, just uh, in reference to uh, Hopkins and Allen. And then Davis is only 23. So, yeah, I'm looking. Yeah. So Hopkins will be 31 in the 2023 season. I'm looking at this deal. I'm not a cap guy at all, but from spot tracks on this deal, I don't know how they can get it to work. He's got cap hit of 30 million next year and 26 and wow. 24. That's what I'm um, saying. 
that's all of his money is backloaded here. And the dead cap is 22 million. If you caught him after like they Arizona's got an out on him right now. So it, there is a, it makes sense for them to trade him. Um, or, Cause if they try to release him, even with the out, their dead cap hits going to be 22.6 million. Oh my God. Um, but they save. What is it? They s- potential out there. are going to save 50 million. Jesus. This contract's terrible. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I don't, it is the Cardinals. I, <laughs> since people have been dr- beating this drum, I, I like Dre Spence. Um, some of the guys from fanatics, uh, I know I've been beating this drum too. I think that Deandre Hopkins is riding the coattails of past success on his name a little bit. And I don't want to go chasing those types of yeah. things. I want players that are ascending. Um, yes. I don't want players that are, I don't want to overpay for players that are at the back end of their career and descending. Um, it, this would be, if Brandon Bean makes the move, I'm going to get on board. Right. But uh, to Casey's point, this, I don't think he's the weapon that, that does anything to push this team over the top. He's not a separator. He is able to make the contested catches, but I don't know that uh, Allen's just going to start tossing him the ball covered. Like that's just not who he is. And Hopkins dealt with a lot of injuries. Like he hasn't been able to consistently be on the field and consistently be that guy that you are going to pay $20 million a year to. So I'm all the way out. I think on Hopkins, especially um, th- Arizona is going to try to get well compensated for a move like this. I would yeah. think um, considering yeah. how much they've invested into him to get him over there. So I, I get the name. I think a lot of people ride in the coattails of that past success from his name. And I think that's a move that in my opinion, mediocre teams that are stuck like the bills drought era team was those are yes. the moves those types of teams make in my opinion. That that's a Calvin Benjamin trade, right? Yeah, there. <laughs> I think he's better oh, than Benjamin. That's not well, yeah, he, but <laughs> he, it's the same. I, it's the yeah, same yeah. idea. Yeah, you're making you're, <laughs> you're buying into a name. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness! I, I, mean, so I think one, I, I think I was going to say, Casey. I think I maybe told you this story. I don't know. I was actually at work. I was walking through the atrium on a break, and a buddy of mine who's also a Bills fan, and he sometimes is on here on the show. He's like running towards me, and I'm like, "Are you good?" And he's like. We just traded for Kelvin Benjamin. And we're both like, "Whoa, we got a receiver finally!" And then, you know, <laughs> you know how that turned out. Hey, man, I was fist pumping in the air. I was pumped <laughs> when we when I remember yeah. we landed our future star. But one name that I've been seeing being tossed out there as a trade option would uh, Brandon Cooks, someone who was looking to be traded um, mm-hmm. this past year. Uh, I mean, I seem like for a fourth round pick for Brandon Cooks, you know, I, that's something I would be very interested in. Now, um, that, that is more probably where I'd be at in terms of a trade. I think that I I was really interested when the trade rumor was coming up here this season of making yeah. a move to bring in a guy like that. And I, I, for whatever reason, he was not able to get moved. But this is a perfect one. Although, again, you're dealing with this cap hit is uh 24.6 million oh um for the 2024 season which i don't know if you could trade him and then bring work some of that brandon bean magic where you do a reworked extension where maybe it's a three-year extension he's not actually going to play three years with a bunch of not likely to be earned incentives so it looks big and you get that first year cap hit down um so that you could fit him in i think that would be probably the play you'd have to defer to a cap guy there but I, i think the bills are not in the DeAndre Hopkins market. I think they are more in maybe that cooks market. And then, cause I don't, you, I don't couldn't see DeAndre Hopkins coming here and leaving all that money on the table and taking a no. small two year, three year deal where I could see that for cooks. Like he, I think wants to play for a, a team that is going to be 
competing for a Super Bowl and get him involved. And I think that he provides more what it is you're looking for from that additional wide receiver for Josh Allen. Absolutely. Just pure talent. You know, pure talent out there. What about uh, about T. Higgins? That's another name that I'm seeing pop up. Talk about I, the Bengals aren't. I, I'll tell you right now. I don't think the Bengals are moving on from him. There's no. Yeah. They He's are in a window Bengals. right now on rookie deals with some of these guys. This is yeah. the window that everybody talks about with Joe Burrow, right? Like, did you're going to win yeah. Super Bowl on a rookie deal? It doesn't make sense to me for them to move on from him. I, I think the value for them is to have him on their team for one more year to make a Super Bowl run. I, I think that conversation, the reports about that. What people did was they looked at spot track and they saw everybody that's coming up with one year left on their deal and who's going to get paid. And there's like, well, that person could get traded because that's what happens with some of these bigger name wide receivers. But I think it would be foolish of the Bengals to they don't have an offensive line. They're probably not going to fix it in this offseason. They're going to have to rely on having those two really good wide receivers. There's no sense in creating a hole when you're in a Super Bowl window like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, and I think I think a lot of people bring up names like this, too, because of what. uh Tennessee did last year with AJ Brown. Right. Like when that trade that happened, I I, per- I was floored. I was like, "What? What are you doing?" I I couldn't. It worked out great that. for Philly, obviously, but right. Yeah, but it did not work out well for Tennessee. No, I do think my- your uh, Facebook user here, Scott. I think Boyd would be maybe the one that you yes. move on from in terms of age and where he's at, and if you're going to have to pick a guy there, um, that would be one to keep. If they're willing to move on from Boyd, I'm definitely picking up the phone and having yeah, that conversation. Yeah, for sure. He Boyd is the youngest of all the ones we've talked about so far. He's 28. Cook yeah, he's still he's still got a few years, and he's got yeah. that position flexibility. You put him in the slot, and I think the slots. Yeah. This is the thing with the That's his lack, position. Yeah, I think what hurt this Bills offense the most this year was the drop off of not having Cole Beasley. Like people can say what they want about Cole Beasley. He played his last season, not this past season, the season before mostly injured. It was like four or five weeks. He's playing on broken ribs. You saw drop off in production. It got better as the playoffs went on. Maybe he lost a step, whatever the contingency plan to replace the slot position did not work out. Right. Bringing in Jamison Crowder, I think on paper is okay, but he had injury concerns before right and so him getting injured not being able to play this year should not have been a surprise to us and then they probably put too much reliance on isaiah mckenzie taking that next step when in reality we should have just known because he's been in the league for six years we should have seen that he kind of just is what he is and that's not good enough to be the type of slot you need in this offense for josh allen and over the last few years that was your wide receiver two production right? Like you didn't have a guy lining up on the outside, but you were getting the high level production out of the slot. And it's very important to this offense. So Boyd would answer that, which I think gives you exactly what Bill's mafia is looking for, which is just another wide receiver. That's getting that production that's missing. Yeah. Now the, the biggest question is, are they actually willing to trade Tyler Boyd to the bills? You know, with this newfound rivalry that's starting, you know, that's, <laughs> that's something to take into consideration. Yeah, they might not want to, but um, it depends who the buyers are, right? In that market, uh, and what so. they're paying. <laughs> right. if, they, if they have the option to send them to Green Bay over Buffalo, and the sure. deals are similar, you know, I bet you that they would take the fourth, the early fourth yeah. instead of the late third from Green Bay. I talking about Jameson Crown a while ago. <clears throat> I heard um, I don't remember what show or podcast I was listening to, but they were talking about. The injury to Jamison Crowder was the thing that derailed the offense. Like 
they were really banking on him filling that role, like you were talking about as the Cole Beasley, because Crowder's a good receiver. We look at the the quarterbacks that he's played with in his career, and he was has still been productive. I think if had he stayed healthy, I think he could have been huge for the offense. I don't know necessarily he was like the linchpin that held everything together, but what's your kind of take on that? If he comes back and he can play a full season, what kind of how how do you see him fitting into the offense, assuming health? Well, that's a big assumption um, based on his career. I don't believe in injury prone, prone, uh, but if there's guys to make a case for it, it's guys like Crowder, right? Um, So I'd be okay with bringing him back, but I, I think that that is sort of settling at that position. I'd like to see more. And I, I honestly, if you're going to do that, I want to see Khalil Shakir take that step, right. And be that guy that's in that. I think he can play. He has that versatility to be inside outside. So uh, for me, Crowder would be insurance on the development of Khalil Shakir doesn't pan out. Right. Um, Which is okay. I think you can live in that world. And I think, I do think you could have Crowder as a guy that is hanging out on your roster as an as a game day inactive if Shakir does take the role right and, and moves forward because he's not going to be here's the other problem you're going to get into with I know Bills fans probably don't believe there's a log jam at receiver when once you add another guy here but I think Gabe Davis is going to be solidified as your number two wide receiver whether people want to hear it or not right um, and then I think Khalil Shakir will be that third option or at least that's the preference to have there and so those guys that are after that three your four five and six they do have to have some flexibility to play special teams. I don't think you're going to have Jamison Crowder out there running and playing special teams. So I don't know where they're going to go with that. I could see him be at least being a guy that they bring back into camp to see, hey, can he get a full healthy offseason? And can he be what we thought he was going to be? Because there was a lot of people that took his stats, looked at Cole Beasley when the Bills got Cole Beasley and saw a lot of similarities of, Hey, he was similarly productive as a slot receiver, just like Cole Beasley was before he came here, maybe even better in some aspects of his game. Maybe we can get that type of production here. I'm not out on the idea. I just, I don't know that that's the best plan going forward, especially with some of the guys that I'm seeing in free agency. And I think you can, again, get back to yeah. younger and maybe rec- I would take more of a gamble on a Paris Campbell with an injury history than I would on bringing back a Jamison Crowder with an injury history. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and also you talk about the log jam and this guy's not necessarily a log or a receiver, but uh, Neheim Hines, we mm. talked about this Casey a week or two ago. If you look at, so I'm comparing this situation to uh, the chiefs with McKinnon. When they brought him on, not this current season, but the season prior, I think he had 13 total targets on the season. They brought him in mid-season as well. And it's kind of how what we saw with, with Hines this year, he wasn't really involved in the offense a lot. Yeah, he played a huge role in the special teams in the return game, and I hope he stays in that spot. But I do wonder if going into a full offseason, the OTAs, the preseason, all of that training camp, if they use him in a similar fashion in the passing game, as what we saw with McKinnon and, you know, he set the NFL record this year for receiving touchdowns by a running back. And I'm not saying Hines is going to do that. And I don't expect him to, but just his more involvement in the passing game. And I think that just creates more of a log jam um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you've only got one football. So, yeah, well, that's why I'm like totally out on Isaiah McKenzie and I have been for a while, uh, but more so this year when you brought in cook and you brought in Hines and you have Khalil Shakir who has the same exact speed, as Isaiah McKenzie, I think a lot of people forget that it became redundant to me to have a bunch of these guys that can be gadget type players can play some um, wide receiver can be 
can be guys that you manufacture some touches for, whether it's in screen game or how to try to get them in space. I don't know that you need more of those guys. Again, I keep coming back to this is the same thing with uh, Keenan Allen or even uh, if you're in the DeAndre Hopkins camp right now, if you're a Bills fan, do you trust the Bills to go out and take a big swing on something to get a weapon that Ken Dorsey is actually going to utilize that person correctly? Right. When we aren't even utilizing the weapons that you have, I think there's more production to be had out of Gabe Davis. I think there's more out of Dawson Knox. There's more out of Naheem Hines. I will push back a little. I think Hines, had more of a role in this offense than necessarily showed up in terms of the box score. He wasn't getting the touches, but he, uh, as the season went on, was getting a nice percentage of the snaps on the offense. um, And he was used in some of that motion and trick trickery type stuff. The ball didn't end up going to him, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't utilized in the offense. I do think, in a full off season of him getting more comfortable with the playbook, getting more comfortable with Josh, those looks will come a little bit more. Like Josh is going to lean into the guys that he knows and that he knows is reliable. Yeah. I think in, in getting cook more involved in some of that stuff in the offense too, will help. I'm very excited about the backfield. I'm assuming Naheem Hines is back. I know there's a lot of questions. I think he will. He's one of those other guys that is also going to take over structure and come back at a lesser cap number uh, to stay with the bills. Cause it just would make sense for him as well. But again, I don't know. I don't know right now, guys, if I have faith, you talked about Jared McKinnon. The big difference is, is Andy Reid is on the sideline yeah. dialing him up plays, right? It's the same conversation we just had about Travis Kelsey and Dawson Knox. I'm not saying Hines is McKinnon or Knox is uh, Kelsey, but I do right. want to see I want to see that creativity where you are manufacturing touches for your playmakers to add some production to this offense and, and make some easier layups for Josh Allen, where it's not just Josh has to, the play breaks down. Josh has to make some crazy one of one incredible play that only he can make to keep you in the games. I just want to see it flow a little bit easier. And I think you have to manufacture stuff for the guys you already have on the roster. Right. Right. Really quick. Um, Cause we're actually over time, which is fine. You know, it's our podcast. We do what we want. Right. But uh, <laughs> uh, the offensive lineman, uh, that's another area that we could look at maybe free agent. And you mentioned mm-hmm. kind of having a, a wish list. Um, just a few names. I jotted down really quickly uh, just for some uh, names really, but Orlando Brown way out of price. I think mm-hmm. uh, Mike McClinchy is a name I see a lot popping up. Mm-hmm. Um well, I'm not even going to talk about the market value <laughs> where they've got him assigned, but uh, and the other one is Isaiah Wynn. Um, that one, I saw his name pop up on the list, and I thought that's that one's intriguing uh, because he he struggled this year with some injuries. He actually lost his job at one point and got it back. He got moved from guard to tackle, and I think back or or vice versa. So it was a rough year for him, and I think that's somebody that we could probably get on on a real, reasonable contract. Maybe a one one year prove it type of thing mm-hmm. uh, with him, and and I wouldn't mind that signing. The market value they have assigned to him is fifteen point five. Again, I think that one I feel like is way too high, but mm. I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you guys think about uh, the linemen out there, though? I, I wouldn't mind it. Um, I got a couple so far on my wish list, um, mostly on the interior or some of the guys on uh, in free agency that I like. I've got uh, uh, the top of my wish list would be getting a good deal on a Dalton Reisner. Um, he was a guy I loved in the draft. I don't think there's going to be necessarily a good deal. I think a team's going to probably fall in love with him. He's one of the more probably talented interior offensive linemen of the group available, but he'd be a guy I think would be a good fit. Um, Nate Davis 
is another dude played in Tennessee's been up and down. I think that you could maybe talk yourself into, he was a good draft prospect and he just hasn't totally panned out. I think you could probably get him on a decent deal, 7 million, 8 million a year type of thing like that. Um, ben powers, Baltimore uh, would be another interior uh, lineman that I think he's probably in that five, 6 million range Uh Greg had him when I asked Greg to drop a projection, he had a two years, 12 million. I think that you could do something like that and, and give you that flexibility heading into the draft to, to do more at those. Then you become a little bit more best player available, but those are the three right now that are at the top of my wish list. I'm right, you, Casey? I'm right there with him. I am all, especially Ben powers. Um, and if you've played lineman for the Ravens, then I probably want you uh, for the Bills, I mean they <laughs> they they know how to open holes, and especially in the run game, and that's what we're really looking for right now. Yeah, it's yeah. a tough it's a tough one to project because he took a while in his career to get going, but he's come on, he's developed really well. And again, in free agency, you're not necessarily paying for, especially with younger players, you're not really always paying for what they've done in the league you're paying for the projection of what you expect out of them so i could see some team seeing the improvement the helmet of the ravens and maybe overpaying for it but i think the bills at least got to be in on some of these guys yeah yeah i mean ultimately personally i hope they maybe sign one or two in free agency and draft a couple like mm-hmm. two oh, of the first it. three rounds give me an offensive lineman let's just bring in like 20 linemen in here and have them battle it out. But my the one whole thing off I, season is hashtag protect Josh. Yeah. Allen, dude. That's all I care <laughs> yep. about. Yeah. And, and uh, as far as like with McDermott, we see this every single year. It seems like they start with these five and the next week it's a new five and the next week it's another five. It's like, and I understand they're trying to play it out and find the five best guys. But if you can't find the, find the five best guys by the time week one rolls around, that concerns me. Mm-hmm. You've got a whole season off season to figure it out. And you're going five weeks into the season, we still don't have the same five guys. So sometimes there's injuries playing to that, of course. But right, um, we saw a lot, you know, more of that this year than in the past. But in the past, the rotation of players constantly and and not trusting your rookies, it's getting kind of old. I'm not in the camp of firing Dermot by any means, so please don't think that that's what I'm saying. But I just would like to see them settle on some guys and and not be so. Uh, stubborn i guess about mm-hmm. certain players and i think you know, along in the offensive line the problem has been the way that they've addressed it right so like that josh's first year it was like one of the worst offensive lines in the history of football it was right that like arizona cardinals and the bills were some of the worst displays of offensive line yeah. we've ever seen chris Quanjo. yeah <laughs> and you got the next the following year i remember greg and i were doing the free agency show that year and we were like look guys trying to curb everybody's expectations i mean like there's no way they're going to flip over this entire offensive line maybe we get a piece or two and they did they did flip over the entire offensive line but what they did was they brought it from totally bottom of the league to like a rent around average below average which is a huge step in a one in a single free agency but since they did that they've really sort of settled for yeah. below average like okay yeah. your quentin spains some of these guys that are just kind of journeymen your david questenberry's yeah. greg van rotten's all these guys that are like okay yes they have starting experience and they're good depth guys but they really are below average rotational offensive linemen i think you can get away with one of those i think you can have a guy on your line if they fix uh, left guard 
I think Ryan Bates could be uh, fine enough. I think he'd be above average. And maybe you can live with Spencer Brown as he still continues to develop. But I don't think you can have a Spencer Brown developing and a Roger Saffel aging out. That's just too much to overcome in the NFL, and people are going to attack it. You saw the Bengals just yeah. attack this uh, this blocking scheme and attack the weak links of this team. And I think two is too much to overcome. I think you at least have to be at an average level across four of your positions. And then you can have a below average guy that is that weak link, but yeah, you can't live with two. It, it feels like almost since the, I don't remember what year that it was, but Eric Wood and um, incognito that you, that summer when they were both slated to be starters and then both, we just lost them both in it unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we've been struggling ever since to try to fix that. Um because I, I don't know if that's the season you're referring to, but that offensive line that year was a mess too. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it hasn't been great. And obviously the um, missing on Wyatt Teller and, and moving him look, feels so much worse now because of that. But um, outside of the Wyatt Teller, they just, it hasn't been well drafted. You totally whiffed on Cody Ford. That project didn't work out. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about how well this team drafts on both um lines a little bit and in the trenches and then you've also missed in free agency in terms of yeah you've gotten guys that haven't been able to fill it but again it's been filled at a below average level so that would be you know i'm the biggest mcdermott everybody tells tells me what a big homer i am and all that stuff if there's a concern that i have in terms of the process of bringing in players it is along the trenches and i do i'm hoping that this is the year that they self-scouted their process and doing that and are going to correct it here this year and really pour all the assets into the trenches. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what we saw like two years ago. KC did it. They got trashed by the uh, Buccaneers front four. They went out and completely rebuilt their offensive line. The Bengals did it last year, albeit they lost them all (laughs) before the, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of hoping the Buffalo does the same thing. I'm not saying blow up the whole line cause I don't think they need to do that, but a couple of pieces need to be plugged in and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm a fan of Spencer Browns. Uh, I do like him and, and and I think he'll be better next year, but that interior, well, we need, we need Morse's future replacement and I like Bates too, but if we can upgrade that, I'm all for it as well. Right. I agree. Absolutely. So we're gonna get ready to head out of here, Casey. Do you have any any final thoughts? Any any other thing you wanted to to touch on? Uh, we had offensive linemen um, talked about the wide receivers. Uh, yeah. No, Good we've covered guys. just about everything that yeah. I was looking to do. Well, I think uh, well we're gonna keep hitting on the free agency stuff um, because you know we've still got linebackers. There's talk about Tremaine Edmonds, so we're going to have mm-hmm. to kind of talk about that and what's going to happen there. Uh, so we we got a lot of stuff to talk about going forward. But um, Aaron, um, you want know, to let us know where you're coming from, you know, any where we can find you and that kind of thing? For sure, yeah. Um, one, if you aren't, make sure you're following everyone at Cover One. Um, search Cover One <laughs> on all your – yeah, make sure you're searching Cover One on across all your social platforms. We're everywhere, and uh, we've put together a really fun team. Um, we have shows every single night of the week on YouTube, so make sure you go over there, subscribe. You'll get a new show every single night of the week. We're just bringing on new, another new show on Friday nights here coming up, and Greg's rolling out a, another side show that he's working on. 
Um, uh, Chris Kepner and I, our producer, we do a Twitter spaces every single Friday morning on Twitter that has turned into another show. So there's so much content that we're doing coming out. Greg and I, every single Wednesday, we will be there for you here all throughout the off season. We just went through, scheduled out all of our episodes here of all the talking points that we're going to be getting you ready here through the off season. So anywhere you can search, find cover one, uh, make sure you like subscribe and follow all of us. Uh, Cause we're putting in hard work here to, to bring you content daily. Yeah, those guys over Cover One do a fantastic, fantastic job. Absolutely. Some great content over there. So definitely take a listen. For anybody listening to us, if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe, like, share, do all of those things. Uh, we appreciate the support, and we will see everybody uh, next week. So for the Mafia Cast, everybody have a good night. Thank you, Aaron. Go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>